Well, greeting and welcome to The Dividing Line. I just, again, distracted by Twitter, there is, I did not know that um, there was going to be a Doug Wilson discussion with Sam Alberry. Oh, that's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to looking that up. We've got a, uh, he and I are going to be recording a, another Sweater Vest dialogue coming up. Um, and it's interesting, they're sort of doing it similar to what we'll be able to do. Uh, Sam's on a big screen and... And Doug's sitting there, and that's that's a possibility uh, to, to go that direction with that big screen and stuff too. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. And you're you're going to have that uh, ready to go by the time we get back, right? Well, you know, uh, I like I said, you should be paid by that particular company that I will not mention uh, publicly uh, because uh, we've we've ha- we're having technical issues. Just like I can't see anything up there. Uh, we're having technical issues and it's requiring Rich to go back and forth and back and forth with some big companies. And I guess even get a BIOS update from them specifically for our issue that we've brought to their attention. It's sort of scary when you're talking about one of the largest tech companies in the world with one of their major devices that we're the ones that have found out, you know, it can't do this that you says it can and you say it can. And they're like, oh, look, it, it doesn't. <laughs> hmm. Ha. How'd that work? Uh, okay, fine. Great. Wonderful. So uh, hopefully uh, by the time I get back from the little trip that I head out on tomorrow, we will be in St. Charles, Missouri, uh, Friday night, all day Saturday into Sunday morning uh, for the conference there at Covenant of Grace Church uh, on uh, Mwigi Road. Uh, one 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 Muiji Muiji, but that's it, this M U E G G E. I can guarantee you, he was probably an old farmer that they bought the land from to put the road through. And the only reason he'd let them do it is they named it after him. That's the only. Why else would you name a road uh, in a way that no one else would be able to pronounce it correctly? Um, Muji, I think it's Muji. I think it's Muji. Uh, I asked I asked um, Ken about that, and uh, I think it's Muji. Um, so. <laughs> Anyway, in fact, Ken and I are having an argument because I'm telling him the fix is in in Georgia. They're gonna they're gonna take those two Senate seats because they're gonna use the same voting system that they that that is already so blatantly documented to be corrupt that it's not even funny. And so the the Republicans will be leading till between one thirty and four o'clock in the morning the next morning, and then boom. All the Democrat voters' uh, votes will come in between one and four o'clock in unmarked vans uh, from these uh, these who knows where locations, and that's how it works in Venezuela, and that's how it works in Georgia now. That's that's where we are. What a what a what a day, isn't it great? Anyway, hopefully I can uh, someone can tell me how to uh, grab hold of um, that uh, interview with Doug. That's I'm going to have a few hours in the car over the next three days, actually. Uh, so I've got plenty of time to uh, catch up on that. I want to, I want to hear that. That, um, be something to comment about a little theology to start with. And then we've got some current events, uh, on the program today. I definitely need to be done by three o'clock. I've just got a billion things to do before I head out to the door at seven fifteen in the morning, tomorrow morning, and, uh, don't get back for a little over a week. Well, yeah, get back, uh, yeah, uh, eight days. And this is a driving thing because, hey, (laughs) uh, just in case you missed it, I guess I might as well go ahead and mention it. Um, 
Airlines set sights on digital passports for COVID-19 vaccine. Yes, indeed. Um, The travel industry is moving ahead with plans to ensure a coronavirus vaccine means tourism and travel, uh, both domestically and internationally, can be quickly revived. Or, in this case, uh, those of us who uh, aren't interested in genetically manipulated experimental would need a minimum of five years to be safe uh, substances stuck in our body, uh, which is what we're dealing with here. Um, uh, We don't get to travel anymore. We don't get to fly anywhere. Um, And I'm wondering, to be honest with you, if there aren't certain states that will set up border uh, stuff, uh, same, same way, California would. Yeah, you got any fruits, vegetables, and where's your travel passport? That's right. Let me see your papers. That's um, now. There's some constitutional stuff of that, but constitution. Who cares? That that's that that's that. That's that's so so blasé now. Anyways, so yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> and it was April. It was April when I said, "Oh my goodness!" I saw where this is going. I said, "We're I'm not going to be able to travel anywhere." At first, I was just thinking internationally, but I'm not going to be able to go anywhere uh, if I don't if I don't roll up the sleeve and and join the the lemmings um, going to. And the worst thing is, I did I did more reading on what this stuff is about. And uh, we've never had a vaccine like this, never. It's 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 completely new technology. I mean, honestly, I, please don't. This is I am legend on steroids. This is this is the exact thing they were talking about. This is the plot. This is this is literally using RNA to cause to genetically manipulate your cells to produce the antibodies to go after COVID nineteen instead of introducing something that makes your own immune system react that's what standard immunizations are this is messing with the code now we're told by oh but but you know, it, it can't have any long-term impact it, it, it's just you know the body just gets rid of it everything's cool and it's like and you've tested this right well no but the computer models say and it's like oh no and I, I, I want to laugh, but I can't because that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. There's all sorts of questions. I, 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 I uh, tweeted this morning about uh, a, a certain thing called ADE, and I'd never heard it before. So I started reading about it, and I'm like, ooh, this does not look good. And it would take three to five years to find out what the impact of this, this vaccine would be as far as producing ADE in people. We're not going to do it. They're, they're distributing millions and millions and millions of doses right now on United Airlines. Crates of this stuff going all across the United States just to start throwing it out there at, at warp speed. Genetically manipulating vaccines that we've never used before. Not in this, not in this sense, not in this way. This is brand new, untested, untried no idea what its long-term effects are going to be but everybody's like well we don't we just don't see there's any problem and i'm just like we've made movies about this yeah that's just those just movies you know 
<laughs> but anyway, so yeah, um, that that this this is how we're going to do stuff in the future. Uh, is we're going to have to have conversations with people long distance because uh, the day of doing that, day of traveling, it's done. It's just done. It's it's amazing. Uh, the only it's the uh, it's the Chinese way of doing things, um, and we'll talk about how the Chinese are doing things a little bit later on. But there you go. Travel industry is in it. So um, that's why I'm going to have plenty of hours in the car uh, as I travel to um, uh, do lots of studying and listening. And I'll, I'll listen to uh, Doug Wilson's discussion with Sam Albury because that will be interesting. But before we get to all that, well, I just got to a part of it, but that was sort of in passing. Before we get to all that, um, uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, I was doing a bunch of updates, uh, Mac OS updated, and so there's just all sorts of stuff all around the screen now, and everything is a different color than it used to be. Anyway, last evening, uh, some of you may have seen the really uber-cute picture. Uh, wasn't that cute picture? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I suppose I should. I, I, I do need to show that picture, don't I? Um, last evening, Mike Hendrickson at church comes up to me, and uh, he has... His little booger with him. Now, um, now, the the Hendrickson family is really uh, is really uh, talented uh, because, uh, well, okay, the the kids um, the kids he's already got. Um, they do uh, these covers of Skillet songs, and he sent them to me. And um, his daughter's on uh, guitar, and uh, his son's on the drums. And so this must be uh, John Cooper's uh, future um, replacement, I guess. Um, he'll have to do bass and lead vocals, um, because we've already got uh, Seth and Jen taken care of by the older kids. And so uh, there you go. <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, he was chilled out, and uh, his name is Calvin James, and uh, named after uh, Mike's uh, two favorite theologians, and uh, one of whom would have uh, banished the other, which is interesting. That might cause some, some conflicts in the poor child in the future, but uh, little namesake there, and uh, he was... Uh, he, I, I had just gotten done preaching, so obviously I'd put him out, uh, as, as I did most of the kids in the congregation yesterday for some reason. Uh, I, I I noted very quiet, very very much quieter than a normal apologia service while I was preaching yesterday. Yeah. Well, either that or they're listening to me. Uh, that's a possibility too. So yeah, that's you know you never know. I'm, I'm not sure which one that is. But uh, anyway. Um, it was quiet. It was it was different uh, this time around. I'm not sure why it was, but we have started finally after all these months of uh, promising it. We have started a series on. Well, I have started a series. I'm doing I'm doing the series, but uh, Jeff's actually finally going to get back to Matthew. I think, uh, but uh, after at least a year off, I'd say. Uh, but I had done five sermons, as I recall, on the Lord's Supper. And so uh, we're going to do a series on baptism. This will take a whole lot longer for obvious reasons. And I talked about the fact that we, we sort of in, inhabit a unique 
crossover place at Apologia, the, the people that we're associated with on both sides of the baptism issue. And, and we have lots of conversations with Chocolate Knox. You know, Chocolate Knox is always saying, go get your babies baptized and, and uh, all the rest of that kind of stuff. And, and so we've, we've got all that stuff going on. So obviously, if we're going to do a series on baptism, then we need to do it uh, in depth and rather fully rather than just simply, here's what the London Baptist Confession says. Here's a couple answers to standard paedo-baptist arguments. And so I laid out um, where I'm going to be going, and so I thought I'd share that with everybody. Uh, you might want to subscribe to the Apologia Studios uh, thing so you could follow along with the sermons when I do them, see if I remain consistent with the outline that I'm, that I'm giving here. Uh, but in reality, this is just basic hermeneutics. This is, this, is, um, this is sort of hermeneutics in the midst of dispute between brothers. How's that? Uh, because, yeah, the dispute on baptism takes us outside the realm of, of brotherhood, unfortunately. Um, you certainly have heretical views because you have false gospels. that, And very frequently, the concept of baptism gets tied in with that. But it's also an area of dispute uh, between brothers. And so you have to be especially careful uh, to... Keep an eye out for tradition and to recognize when tradition begins to insert itself into the reading of the text. And so uh, here's the six things I told everybody we're going to be doing. This is sort of how we're going to line things out to try to do this in, in a way that is uh, honoring to the Lord and honoring to the subject of baptism. Uh, first, we're going to define the term clearly. That is, we're going to, we're going to look at the meaning of baptism, uh, its um, historical meaning in the sense of the lexical sources. What do the lexical sources say? That the word group, baptismas, the substantival form, and baptizo, the verbal form, uh, what does that mean? Because we don't translate those words. Uh, by tradition, in our English Bibles, we have transliterated, not translated those words, because it, it, the, the literal meaning would be to immerse. And it's interesting, I was looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith just this morning in response to, I was writing a tweet to somebody, and I noted that when it said that uh, effusion and sprinkling is the proper mode, I looked at the verses, and it was a classic example of backward engineering on the meaning of word. They went to the couple of places, primarily in Hebrews, where you don't have an emphasis on the literal meaning of immerse, and made that the primary meaning. I mean, guys, you know, especially those of you who are good, solid exegetes as Presbyterians, <laughs> look at look at the verses the Westminster Confession uses, and check out the lexical sources. There is there is one fundamental basic meaning for baptizo in the, in the ancient world in the centuries before and after the writing of the New Testament, and it is to immerse. And any metaphorical use. Uh, that uh, departs from that is just that. It's a metaphorical use, not the basic and foundational use. So I, I did find that rather interesting. But anyway, uh, we will define the term uh, clearly uh, from, a, from a lexicographical uh, perspective. Number two, carefully recognize the distinctive of the New Testament starting with John. In other words, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. Uh, there was never a... John was a transitionary character. He is the forerunner. Um, he is proclaiming the, the lamb taking away the sin of the world. But there was no prophet like him. No minor, none of the, none of the 
minor prophets or major prophets ever did what John did. And Jesus was baptized by John. And then Jesus' disciples began baptizing people under repentance during Jesus' ministry and baptized more than John did. That's according to what John 4 says. Well, at least for a period of time. Um, and so you, you can't just ignore that transitionary element. And so we'll, we'll need to see the uniqueness of Christian baptism while recognizing all of the connections to certain aspects of the Old Testament. We'll look at Colossians 2 very, very carefully, obviously. Um, but uh, you have to be really careful that you don't start with your conclusion and make it the lens through which you read the New Testament. You've got to allow, because even the Westminster Confession says, baptism is a sacrament ordained by Jesus Christ. Okay? So, baptism as Christian baptism did not exist in the Old Testament. You can connect to the circumcision all you want, but it was ordained by Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a New Testament thing. And so that's important to recognize. Number three, analyze each example of baptism in the New Testament, determining who does the baptizing, who is baptized, and upon what conditions. That's going to take a little while. <laughs> that's going to take a little while. Uh, even Reformed Baptists, we, we might f- find a way to um, do two or three uh, examples in one sermon, maybe, and certainly with how long we normally go. I went, people freaked out last night. I only went like 55 minutes, and they're like, what are we going to do with the rest of the night? Because <laughs> they've gotten used to the uh, the, uh, the the Durban hour and 20-minute uh, version. So uh, 25 minutes, what am I going to do? Um, but uh, some of those, you know, the Philippian jailer situation will probably take entire sermons to to take apart and to to deal with appropriately, uh, linguistically, line yards. But uh, we will analyze each example of baptism in the New Testament. Number four, we'll analyze each reference to the accomplished fact of baptism, meaning of baptism, primarily in Paul, once in Peter, in light of the apostolic practice established in Acts. So in other words, it's interesting, there's, there's only... Uh, th- there's only a certain number of references um, to uh, baptism in the entirety of, uh, of the Bible. 96 references in the New Testament. Um, 15 of those are John the Baptizer, so that drops you down to 81. And there are only 15 references in Paul and Hebrews, and that's one place where the Pauline connection becomes less strong it's not specifically in reference to Christian baptism specifically. So um, the language is a little bit different there. But the point is, when you do read Paul, Paul is assuming that the Christian uh, community that he is addressing is all baptized. There's no such thing as, a, there's no such thing as, a, as an unbaptized believer um, in, in Paul's thinking. And so they are taking baptism as an accomplished fact, as a reality in, everyone's looking back at it. And the point is, everybody he addresses can look back upon their baptism and remember their baptism and what their baptism meant. Now, you can argue, well, that would change over time with the institution of paedo-baptism, but that's, that's sort of getting the cart before the horse, so we say. Uh, so we'll be looking, what does the accomplished fact of, fact of baptism mean in the Christian life, what's the meaning of that baptism as it's then applied? Uh, looking at Paul, once in Peter, uh, in light of the apostolic practice established in Acts, 
Uh, number five, consider the voices of the early church in light of their circumstances, the development of the canon, etc. So, uh, all of the many, 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 many views of baptism in the early centuries, including the consistent testimony of many people that baptism is by immersion, uh, that baptism is immersion of believers, um, and how long that continues to be taught, uh, even after the establishment of a state church, that uh, becomes dependent upon infant baptism for its very existence. Uh, but we even talked a little bit about the ways of baptism. You know, uh, baptism backwards, baptism forwards, baptism three times, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, different ways. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people who grow up in the church just figure, well, it's always been done this way, right? And I said, mm, no, no, not exactly. Uh, baptism clothed or unclothed? Uh huh. That was in church history too. Um, all sorts of uh, baptism with or without exorcism. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know about that, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe me, uh, it, it's a it's a huge, huge topic. And we could spend a lot of time just on the history of baptism. We won't, but we what we do want to do is understand why certain views arose. Why why did Tertullian argue against infant baptism? And what kind of infant baptism was he arguing against? And why did the uh, the concept of emergency infant baptism arise? What was the theological background to that? And because this is very important. The reasons for the rise of infant baptism in the history of the church had nothing to do with Reformed theology. In fact, they had everything to do with an abandonment of foundational elements of Reformed theology, especially in regards to the nature of man, sin, redemption, things like that. So, it's all there, uh, and a, a, a survey would not be complete without at least... Uh, informing people of those things. And so we'll look at the voices of the early church. Finally, number six, conclude by looking at the confessions of faith, the Reformation, and the dispute on the subject amongst the Reformed. So obviously, we're Reformed Baptists. We've got dear uh, Presbyterian friends and uh, uh, Anglican friends and uh, things like that. And so you have to answer the objections. You have to deal with the uh, with the arguments but hopefully at that point based upon the foundation that needs to be there which is often not a part of the conversations or even the debates that's the hard part is that you know even a debate you're talking about a very short period of time so uh that's gonna be coming up hopefully you'll find that to be useful hopefully the folks at church will be able to find that useful Follow along with that, uh, and uh, that should be uh, helpful to uh, everybody. Um, okay. Uh, wow, is there a lot of stuff going on? Uh, I've mentioned Rod Dreher's uh, book, uh, Live Not by Lies, and the thesis that he presents being that the initial uh, difficulties we will face as Christians— will be in reference to um, soft totalitarianism rather than hard totalitarianism. Now, I, I said to 
Michael Fallon on Twitter this morning, I said, the problem is soft totalitarianism inevitably develops into hard totalitarianism. There is no middle ground. There is no, there's nothing in the worldview to stop it from happening. And that's, that's what history shows anyways. What is soft totalitarianism? You want a great example? Man, this is it. I, as you know, I'm a cyclist. I follow cycling. I uh, enjoy uh, all of that. And hence, I know who Chloe Deigert is. Chloe Deigert is uh, a great American cyclist, a female cyclist. Uh, thankfully, there have been a few guys who have decided they're women and, and competed and won in uh, various age groups amongst the women. But thankfully, it has been completely wrecked and destroyed. There, there still is a meaningful women's cycling world, um, which could end because UC, the UCI, the governing body, they, they're they all woke. And so they're more than happy to let guys uh, pretend they're gals and, um, and uh, that kind of stuff. But um, Chloe Deigert... Is uh, is a great time trialist and and just a, just a great cyclist. Um, Rafa wholeheartedly condemns Chloe Deigert's social media conduct. Now, Rafa is a cycling clothing manufacturer, and I don't think that currently I own any of their material. Um, I do have a Rafa kit in Zwift, which is the online thing, which I will never wear again. Um, if I could delete it out of the available things I have, I would, uh, it was something you had to earn doing a ride. But anyway, uh, but I also recognize that pretty much all the other clothing manufacturers would do the same thing. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pointing out that Rafa is, is engaged in bullying, but everybody else would do the same thing. Sadly, that's the reality. Every other clothing manufacturer, if, if I got rid of all of them that would, persecute me i i wouldn't be able to ride at least not clothe uh rafa released a statement to its customers friday announcing that it wholeheartedly condemns chloe digert's recent social media misconduct and called her subsequent public apology insufficient digert who signed a four here's here's the thing digert who signed a four-year contract with rafa sponsored canyon sram canyon sram's a major racing team Canyon and SRAM. Uh, SRAM. Canyon is a is a bicycle manufacturer. SRAM is a component manufacturer. Publicly apologized for misconduct on social media and voiced her commitment. Okay, so they forced her. Here it is. Voiced her commitment to diversity and equality. So in other words, she had to uh, confess publicly. She had to offer the incense upon the altar and say Caesar is Lord. That's what she had to do. That's what this is. Uh, because there's certain word, there's certain certain meaning to diversity, which means non-diversity. Okay, this is 1984. They don't mean diversity because they are telling her she can't believe what she believes. She can't believe what she was taught. So you, that's not. So they're not diverse. They're exclusive, but you have to call it diversity. So you have to lie and call what is non-diverse diverse. And equality, same thing. They don't believe in equality. There's no equality for her. The apology was made in early November on Instagram. Yeah, that's great. Neither rider or team made specific reference to the social media activity that was deemed inappropriate. However, the incident, ready for this, appears to have stemmed from posts on twi- Twitter that Digert liked. Liked. Not posted. Not retweeted. Simply hit the little heart thing. 
liked, including, ready, a transphobic tweet from U.S. President Donald Trump. We are writing to you today to clarify our position on the actions of Canyon Ram racing rider Chloe Digert, who back in June endorsed racist and transphobic views on social media. See, so, so you just, these are evil things. We won't define what racist means. We won't define transphobic. We won't even come up with a meaningful definition of what it could possibly mean. But it's bad, and you'll get fired if you do not bow the knee. This is soft totalitarianism. This is being done by the corporations. The government doesn't have to get involved. The corporation does it. We all know how this works, but here's it's being done to, I think, a 23- or 24-year-old athlete, girl. Uh, Rafa wholeheartedly condemns these actions as they were offensive, divisive, and have no place, ready for this, in cycling or society, Rafa stated. Or society. I wrote to Rafa in Twitter. I didn't get a response. At least not that I saw. I wrote to Rafa. And, and I said, so you're really saying that Christian views on sexuality have no place in society? It's, I just want, you want to be straight out front about that? Want to, want to come straight out and say that? Because that's, that's what they're saying. Um, and so uh, well, I thought this had... Yeah, here we go. Because uh, there was a specific... Uh, there was a laying out of exactly what was said. Here it is. <laughs> when it saves these things, when it takes stuff, some stuff out, it... it Puts other stuff in and gets. Digert liked a tweet that referenced former U.S. President Donald Trump's proposal to allow single-sex homeless shelters to refuse transgender people and say men who self-identify as women are not actually women, just as children who identify as mermaids are not actually fish. Think about this. This is one of those absolute insane, evil transgender things where they're trying to force women's shelters to let men in. These are women fleeing from abusive men, but these people actually want to force these shelters to let physical men in as long as they claim to be women. It's insanity. It's evil. It's mean-spirited. It's disgusting. It's shameful. But it's now societal uh, orthodoxy. Societal orthodoxy. And she liked that tweet. And now they have to put her in... Basically, in brainwashing training, how dare you? You can't be a cyclist if you think like that. This is where this is why we call it totalitarianism, because it involves what you think. They want to control what you think and how you think. And some of you are sitting there saying, but that's impossible. They'll never be able to do it. Why do you think they want you to roll your sleeve up so readily and trust them implicitly as to what's in that little syringe going in your arm? Hmm? You think it's always just going to be some genetically modified thing that we don't know what'll do? Maybe there might be some other stuff in there that will impact how you think. 
Maybe take off some of the highs and lows. Make you a little bit easier to control. Ever thought about that? Why do you think this is happening so quickly? In the middle of panic. Hmm. Oh, it's just a, that's a conspiracy. <laughs> you try answering those questions. Don't just dodge them. These people want to force you to think in a certain way. You've raised your microphone. What's, I, I do you have. know Chloe Diger? You don't know Chloe Diger. I don't, but I do find it interesting that basically the scenario that they set out is that if the abusive husband, abusive man in the relationship puts a dress on, he can go and check into the same facility and continue his... There's nowhere for her to go. There's nowhere for her to hide. Um, since we had... Thanks- it's an anti-woman movement. Oh, it's very an much. anti-woman movement all along. Since we had um, Thanksgiving recently, the conversations that take place at Thanksgiving dinner and afterwards, a conversation that I had with someone in my family... Um, the appeal to reasonableness and that there are reasonable li- liberals out there who won't let this happen. So back to your, <laughs> th- this will never happen. Where? And I, and, I, and I told him, I said, you know, I appreciate that. But what you need to understand is we have passed the point of ideology here. There's not a, there's no longer a debate of liberal social order and conservative social order we are now talking about the one simple question of whether or not there is freedom or there is not freedom. It's really that simple. And my concern for him, and I think I got through, was whether or not you will continue to enjoy the freedoms that I've known in my lifetime, that my parents and my grandparents have known in their lifetimes. Because the people that these reasonable people that you're referring to and appealing to, the problem is, like on my side, the reasonable people are rolling over and playing dead. And the same is happening over there, where the ones with the big mouths and the totalitarian point of view, they're the ones in control. And the reasonable people are trying to reason with unreasonable people. And they think that somehow they can work their way through this, and they're going to work their way right into a concentration camp is what they're going to do. Yep. Well, not only did she get in trouble for that, but in addition, screenshots posted by one Twitter user. One Twitter user. There's one Twitter user that was obviously was just looking to get her in trouble. One Twitter user appeared to show Diger liked a post stating, white privilege doesn't exist. So what's the dogma? White privilege. Dogma. Can't be questioned. You'll be fired if you question it. That's, that's totalitarianism. That's, that's the, the, the thought police. They're here. And they work at Canyon Sram. At Rafa, I'm sorry. Uh, and another that suggested Colin Kaepernick, the American football player who took the knee during the U.S. national anthem to protest racial inequality and later settled in an inclusion case against the NFL, quote, realized that if he grew an afro and played the part of victim, he could scam the black community out of millions, end quote. That's fact, too. You're right. Digert issued an apology on Instagram for her misconduct on social media. So in other words, misconduct is now just not believing what you're supposed to believe. That's all there is to it. There is no abuse. She didn't use any four-letter words. And no one would have cared if she had, as long as she was insulting the right people. Saying that cycling should be for everyone, regardless of color, gender, sexuality, or background, except for conservatives. 
and that she was committed to promoting diversity, inclusion, and equality in cycling in our wider communities. These are empty words. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. They don't mean that. They mean shut up and believe what we tell you to believe. That's all they mean. That's all there is to it. Um, Digert's apology was quickly followed by a statement from Canyon Sram expressing that they were committed to regular training and support for all their riding, riders, including Digert, to ensure they're fully aware of and align with the team's values. But it's never enough, folks. It doesn't matter if you offer the pinch of incense, because in its statement, however, Rafa said Digert's apology was insufficient and it only compounded her serious errors of judgment. The company also said that it has spoken to Digert about her misconduct and believe that she has the capacity to learn and change and become like us because we're the only people who have a right to live. Wow. There's, this is it. This is what our children are facing, our grandchildren are facing, whatever field they go into, this is what they will face. And you have to stand up and say, that's absurd. I will not apologize for holding views other than yours. And I will challenge you to demonstrate the consistency of your worldview and that your views have any reason to be respected at all. Have to do it. Have to do it. Wow. That was just, that was, that, like, like I said, I will, I will never put a Rafa thing on my body ever again, if I've, even if I ever had one. You probably saw the article, uh, suicide claimed more Japanese lives in October than 10 months of COVID. Uh, Japan has never, has never re- uh, recovered from World War II. Remember, did we sh- even show? I'm not sure if we showed. We didn't show the video. But did you see the thing, I don't know, about two weeks ago? Where in Japan, you can now get a, uh, a gadget that feels like a human hand. And so you can walk along with this human hand in your hand, and it'll act like a human hand so you feel like you're holding hands with someone because everyone there is so lonely. There's no, there's no, they don't have children. The Japanese are disappearing from the face of the earth. In a a couple generations, they will be gone. There will not be any Japanese left. They have no children. They have no marriages. They're disappearing. They, They are not reproducing. And they, of all people, have been the first ones to just, they've, they've been masked forever. And it's broken down all human contact. And they, they don't get married. They don't have kids anymore. They're disappearing. They're lonely. They're building robots to take care of the elderly because there's not enough youth to, to take care of the old people. And so suicide claimed more Japanese lives in October than 10 months of COVID did in Japan. Suicide. Yes. You've reminded me, I was thinking about it over the weekend. Was there not an episode of Star Trek where the question was something like, where are all the children? You remember something? They go to a community and the children, there's just no children anywhere. You're talking about Next Generation, the original? Might be. I, 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 I'm trying to puzzle it out. I even tried to use the Google machine and could not track it down but this this is where we're going people need to see the big picture here the the well, idea you posted on over the weekend about wanting to cut two-thirds of the population out from the face of the earth yeah 
Yeah. This is about the things that I, I don't know about you, but I remember this in grade school, having this conversation where the teachers were introducing the concept of euthanasia. Yeah. And we thought, well, okay, you're talking about sick people, really, really old sick people. And then, no, no, no. You reach a certain age and society doesn't need you anymore. And I remember as child, we got, the sixth graders got really angry with the teachers over this. But today, does yeah. anybody care? Oh, no. The Great, the great Reset, um, the only way that the Green New Deal and the Great Reset can be done is if you have far fewer, fewer humans on Earth uh, than there are, are humans on Earth right now. And so you have to reverse population growth. You have to get it back down to at most 2 billion people. And we're way above that right now. And so suicide, good thing for the Great Reset. Transgenderism, destroying a woman's body so you can never have children, great. That's why they're not nearly as – they don't – have you noticed that female to male transgenderism is the thing, not the other way around. They don't care if a guy wants to act like a gal. I mean, th- as long as he gets, as he goes all the way, um, so he can't have any children in the future, that's a good thing. But it's especially the females, because they're the ones that have babies. And so, ev- for every one young female that you can ruin her life so she can never be a mother, you've just, that's one person that'll never reproduce. That's what they want. That's what they want, the Great Reset. So suicide, great thing. Euthanasia, great thing. All those old folks dying in, in homes alone, great thing for the Great Reset. They love it. It's what they want. It's their thing. It's their thing. In fact, um, since that fits in with that, uh, this is uh, today, article today, elderly woman euthanized to avoid anguish of lockdown loneliness. An elderly Canadian woman was killed by her doctor because she would rather be dead then go through another COVID lockdown. When it looked like she would have to be confined to her room for two weeks, she asked for and received the lethal jab due to declining mental health and vitality. Quote, Russell, described by her family as exceptionally social and spry, was one such person. Her family says she chose a medically assisted death, M-A-I-D, in Canada, after she declined so sharply during lockdown that she didn't want to go through more isolation this winter. This time, doctors approved her. Russell would not have to go through another lockdown in her care home. She has truly did not believe that she wanted to try another one of those two-week confinements into her room, her daughter said. But note, for her death, she could be surrounded by friends and family. Think about this. When 90-year-old Nancy Russell died last month, she was surrounded by friends and family. They clustered around her bed, singing a song she had chosen to send her off as a doctor helped her through a medically-assisted death. So, companionship to be made dead, but not to remain alive. And her family thinks this was a fine option, demonstrating how the social mindset becomes twisted by euthanasia consciousness. But we are told killing and suffering is so compassionate, and lockdowns are measures of good public health. <laughs> so you, you actually have people being allowed to kill themselves so as to avoid further lockdowns. Even for older people, even for elderly people, COVID is still massively survivable, even for the elderly. But nope, death sentence for them all. Separate them from their families, 
No, no, no holiday, no Christmas, nothing to look forward to. The Great Reset. That's the mindset. Let's get rid of them. They're getting rid of them. They're doing a good... Hey, the, the Democrats did a great job in New York and get rid of old people, didn't they? Thousands of them. Thousands of them. And they're getting awards for it. <laughs> that's, that's the amazing thing. They're getting awards for doing it. Cuomo. They're acting awards, yeah. That does tell you something. Yep, yep, yep. Talk about evil. But speaking of evil, let's talk about China. Because, um, because China is evil. Ch- not the Chinese, the Chinese people. The Chinese people are under a, a, an evil regime. Uh, we need to recognize that. And the Chinese are very actively involved. Far more. Look, folks, the Chinese are far more actively involved in our political process than the Russians. The Russians are jealous. <laughs> the Russians are jealous of the influence Chinese have in, in our government and will have, especially if things keep going the way they're going. And their puppet government is installed at the end of January. Uh, that's going to be great for them. Really, really great for them. The Chinese Communist Party, also known as the CCP, also known as Satan, uh, (laughs) drafted new rules this week prohibiting foreigners from discussing religion with Chinese citizens. Remember, this is, if you want to see what technological totalitarianism, hard totalitarianism looks like, look to China. And that's what's coming our direction. That's that it, it. That's what was voted for a few weeks ago. Well, or at least certain voting machines voted for it a few weeks ago. Um, but this is it. Chinese Communist Party draft new rules this week prohibiting foreigners from discussing religion with Chinese citizens. And then, oh, okay, you want? <laughs> I need to buy because I don't know where my copy is. Maybe I could find my copy. That would be the best because it was from 1980. 78 or something like that. I read 1984 before 1984. Okay, that was that was the cool part of reading 1984 before 1984. Anybody who reads it now is you know, seeing it from the other, other side. But I need to have a copy of 1980. I need to just get hold of all of the various novels. <laughs> just, just go, here's our new prophecy section over here. Um, but, um, but remember, 1984... Key to everything was the destruction of language. Destruction of language. Remember the Newspeak Dictionary? They kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And the whole idea was to limit... This was Orwell's way of addressing the issue that pharmaceuticals address in This Perfect Day, Brave New World, Equilibrium, where you have the, the drugs that, that do the mind control. In Orwell... What you do is you destroy the human capacity to express emotion and feeling and thought by getting rid of the words that would express ideas of beauty, transcendent meaning, things like that. So you you just keep making the language more and more sparse and more and more barren. Uh, It's an attack on language. And what you do of course, is then you, you change history and you change the meaning of language all at the same time. So, you know, Winston's job is to, you know, when the party makes somebody disappear who used to be high up in the party, now you've got to make it appear that that person was never a part of the party in the first place. 
because the party's never wrong. Or if you start fighting somebody else in the war, then you change all the newspapers in the past. You've always been fighting these people. You're, you've never been fighting who the pe- Your allies are now the people you used to be fighting. And so you change stuff. That's, that's how it works. <coughs> so, China's Ministry of Justice. The Ministry of Justice published a list of restrictions on foreigners seeking to spread religious extremism or undermine China's national or ethnic unity through religion. I mean, this is 1984, all over the place. The Ministry of Justice. The Ministry of Justice has just published Injustice. Ah. <sighs> You're going to see so much injustice done in the future in the name of justice. Because, and you know what? Every woke Christian is guilty of helping it happen. Because you accepted the redefinition of justice from biblical parameters to Marxist parameters. You did it. You're responsible for it. You can still repent in this life. We will just be waiting for you to do so. So foreigners would be prohibited from the following activities. And boy, I'll tell you, these are broad enough. <laughs> Basically, foreigners would be prohibited from breathing. So, interfering with or dominating the affairs of Chinese religious groups. Now, I know exactly what this is about. The Chinese home churches want everything we can provide to them in the way of... Doctrine, church history, theology, they want that. They need that. They can't have their big, huge, li- the big, huge libraries we have and all the freedom to publish and things like that. So they need that. So that's called dominating. That's dominating the affairs of Chinese religious groups. Advocating extremist religious thoughts. It, do you want anything more broad and you can cram anything you want into it than that. Extremist religious thoughts. Yeah, well, uh, come deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me is about as extremist a religious thought as you can get, right? So uh, you can't advocate extremist religious thoughts. Using religion to conduct terrorist activities. What, what like the government blowing up churches? That's a terrorist activity. Um, That's probably a specifically anti-Muslim one right there. Uh, Interfering with the appointment or management of Chinese clergy members. In other words, the church gets to determine who the leaders, not not the church, the state, the Chinese state gets to determine who the Chinese clergy members are. Because they have a you know they they have a state registry and and they they, they want to create remember what what did France say just a few weeks ago we want a French version of Islam well they want a Chinese version of Christianity which isn't Christianity and isn't attractive to anybody so it'll die that's the whole point that's the reason for it uh, so interfering with the appointment or management of Chinese clergy members so when the Roman Catholic Church says we will assign our own bishops which they then capitulated on under Francis, if I recall correctly. I didn't follow all of that, but my recollection was that Francis choked on that one. Uh, That's what they're talking about. Illegal preaching among Chinese citizens. 
So if, if you that 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 would be any preaching. That's just that's just proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, converting new believers. Can't be you cannot we cannot convert new believers in China um, if you're a foreigner. Well, and you can't as a Chinese person either. Accepting religious donations from Chinese citizens and carrying out religious education and training. They want to isolate the believing Chinese church as much as is humanly possible to try to kill it off. That's what this is all about. So part of this is about the Christian church. Part of this is about the Muslims. Um, But this is your CCP, your Chinese Communist Party. This is your secular worldview. These are your... These are the people that the leftist liberals in Canada, France, all across Europe, and many of your leading lights in the Democratic Party in the United States look to and are bankrolled by these people. So you think that might be coming to a United States near you in the not-too-distant future? If you're going to laugh at that, I simply have to ask you a question. Why do you think not? Well, we have a constitution. So the Chinese. But as long as you control the language, then you control the interpretation of any written document. And that's why there are four people on the Supreme Court, really probably more than that, in differing levels, but at least... Four people, three openly, one moving that way. Isn't that that the way it normally is? How many justices have you seen over the years who once again on the court moved right or left? Almost always left. It's almost always left. And that's what Roberts has done. Um, But you have at least three, maybe four on the court who already believe that the Constitution is a living document. Those words don't, what did the founding fathers mean? We don't care. Some would even say, epistemologically speaking, we can't know. We can't know what they meant. And so we have to fill their words with meanings. And that's how we can find new rights and all the rest of this kind of stuff. And that's happening. We have a constitution, and it's clear as to what it was supposed to mean in regards to the worldview out of which it was drawn. But once you establish people who have absolute right of interpretation and language can be formed into meaning whatever it means, whatever you want it to mean, a written document's irrelevant. has no meaning any longer. So I just, I want to ask those of you who are sitting there go, oh, there's not, no, nothing strange about the massive lurch to the left. Nothing strange about us being trapped in our homes uh, for Uh, For months and months on end, there's nothing strange about elected governors all of a sudden having powers that they've never, ever had before, uh, all because of a virus that I had a friend, and I, I know that the virus can be involved in bringing about death in someone with comorbidity factors. I recognize that. But I have a friend, I won't mention right now who has all sorts of comorbidity factors. And it was barely a nuisance to him. 
blew right through it. Did That's what the vast majority of people experience. And yet the panic that has been created so out of proportion with any other disease, equally and far more, even far more dangerous diseases that have been around for a long time. But you see, that's the problem. That's why those diseases aren't politically useful. They've been around for a long time. We've already meningitis, hepatitis, tuberculosis. Ah, we've heard about them forever. That's that's not gonna. That's you can't put tuberculosis up on the screen on MSNBC and CNN. For month, day after day, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month. And with an ever-increasing number there, that's not going to work. But it's worked with COVID. It's worked with COVID. You create the panic. And panicked people will give up anything. They'll give up anything. And that's exactly what we're seeing going on around us. One last thing. The, um, your talk about getting all the dystopian novels and putting them on the shelf mm-hmm. behind there. We actually have some people who think that you and I have kind of fallen into some kind of dystopian nightmare and that we're... Look, we're not saying that, that, that these guys were prophets. We're saying that they wrote the playbooks. Well, they saw, they saw the trends. They, they saw, saw the what trends. could happen. And what we're seeing unfold right now is following those same trends and going back... I'm positive I can go back as far as 20 years ago on this program in audio only, and you're telling people secularism is the threat to our future. Secularism is the threat to our freedoms. That's true. Go back 15 years, and you're doing debates in, on Islam, and people are talking about how the Muslims are going to blow us all up. They're all going to do these things, and you're telling them, and they're, they're really angry for you telling yeah, them. Yeah. You're telling them Islam is not the threat, nearly the threat, that secularism is. And secularism will be the thing that threatens both Islam and Christianity and all of religion. And folks, if you, you go back and take a good hard listen to those programs, maybe that'll piece it all together for you, yeah. that you suddenly realize, you know what? There really is something going on. Come on. <laughs> I don't know how anyone... Come on, man. <laughs> I, I just do not know how anyone can look and can... Well, and this is what they're not doing. They're not standing back and getting the big view. And just, just for a moment, think about what the world was like one year ago. Just go back one year and ask yourself the question. If someone had walked up to you one year ago and said, would you be willing um, to have massive increases in suicides, destroy two-thirds of the businesses of your neighbors, put almost everybody in a situation of being dependent upon public assistance, destroy everybody's savings, and lock everybody in their houses over a virus that has a 99.95% survivability rate for people under the age of 70. Uh, Do you think this nation would be willing to sacrifice everything and, in fact, sacrifice its autonomy, become a part of a global technocracy, and that people all around the world would do the same thing? 
even in places that have not been hard hit at all. There are places that have not been hard hit at all, and there's probably a reason for that. Um, you would have said, no way. Do, do you think someone could have gotten elected promoting that kind of thing? You would have said, no way. And here we are. There's got to be a reason for it. There's got to be a reason for it. And there is. There is. There is a, a very clear reason for it. Well, anyway, we're going to be talking about the uh, social justice stuff and the woke church and everything else uh, at uh, Covenant Grace Church in St. Charles, Missouri, starting Friday evening. I believe it's at 7 o'clock, and uh, you will be welcome to come and to uh, participate in that uh, that get-together. I imagine it'll be a little bit cooler there than it is here, but... Uh, um, I already have my Coogees, uh, uh packed up and ready to go. Uh, that's, uh, that's part of the tradition, is, uh, is wearing the Coogees on Friday and Saturday. I, I don't wear them Sunday morning, but uh, I do Friday and Saturday. And uh, the funny thing is, this will be the first time in all these years that my dear wife has been able to come with me. 20 years. This is the 20th year we've done this at Covenant Grace Church. And she was actually looking forward to when she retired getting to start traveling with me around the world to these things. And that's the very time when there will be no more traveling at all, dear. So she's become quite the cook. She's, she's just she's making pies and cakes and just it's crazy. Um, uh, no, no, not actually. But, uh, 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 but yeah, she, that's, that's what she's gotten into since she retired. So uh, that and the, and the grandkids, that's, uh, that's, that's perfectly natural and perfectly good, I think. So anyways, so um, uh, Robin Anski is going to be here on when, Thursday and then next Tuesday. So Thursday and Tuesday, so there will be programs, and uh, I appreciate him coming in, and I'm sure he'll have some fascinating things to discuss with you. And Lord willing, I'll be back, uh, I think I get back uh, Wednesday evening, so hopefully on Thursday uh, we'll be able to have a program. Something tells me some things will have happened uh, between now and then uh, that will be uh, well worth our discussion uh, at that particular point in time. So thanks for watching the program today. We'll see you next time. God bless.